You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast, and for those of you that have been following the cast for a while, you may remember, uh, not, well, I say not too long ago, but at some point in the past, we actually did an episode where we covered what we would do if we ran Hasbro. Yes. So today, because it's been quite an eventful few months and a mm. year, really, uh, hearkening all the way back to our AltaFox episode, we're going to revisit that because things have changed drastically since the last time we did that episode. So I will get us started and let's take it away. First thing, incredibly relevant. Uh, just a couple days prior to us recording this, Bank of America double downgraded Hasbro stock from a buy to underperforming. Uh, and their logic, and I went through and read the entire analysis. Uh, now, they said most of their sources were players, vendors, LGSs, stuff like that, that they went to for their survey. And then they looked at all of the actual numbers of what Hasbro has done, what they've disclosed, everything. Yes. And their takeaway was basically, you're killing it. You're killing the game. Not in a good way. You're actually killing your game. It's going to be dead. Uh, anecdotally, I was just at SCG Philly, and I have never had so many people walk up to me and say, hey, uh, I want out. I'm selling it all. I'm dumping. I, I just don't want to be associated with the game anymore. That is mind-boggling to me because that is not something that I've ever had to have five people deep at an event before. We were literally turning away Mox Diamonds because we'd bought so many this weekend. At any rate, the way I would handle this, it's simple. Slow down the release calendar. Buried in this report was one of the most telling things I have seen in terms of Wizards killing the game by overproducing. There in the last 12 calendar months have been 26 mainline product releases. 26. That doesn't count secret layers. That's just mainline releases and there's like 40 or 50 something secret layers on top of that yes that's insane uh, it, if you were to average that out so that all of the releases were evenly distributed throughout a year it was something like every 4.2 days would be a new product release that is untenable i am mm -hmm. sorry uh and something that is actually not mentioned in the release which i think is very much worth noting obviously wizards has been you know reporting record profits mm -hmm. well they've changed their distribution model they've cut out the middleman the lgs doesn't exist anymore so of course they're reporting record profits because their margins are way higher than they were before the trade-off is they're killing the long-term viability of the game yeah. uh unpopular opinion and one that we have shared on the podcast before this game only exists as long as the cards are worth money. Mm -hmm. uh, prime example, Pokemon. They don't saturate their releases. They have a steady stream, and it consistently sells. 
even when the economy's bad, even when the economy's good through thick and thin, that is a recession-proof product, and it's amazing. Yeah. Because as an LGS, I don't compete with Pokemon Co. I don't compete with Nintendo. I just get to sell it myself to my customers. That's it. It's easy. I just don't understand how they can so, like, readily destroy it. So I would slow down the product release. I'm not saying I'd go to way back in the day when we had four releases a year. Honestly, I'd probably be at like eight, hmm. you know, with like we have three to four mainline sets mm -hmm. that are part of the standard rotation, one or two supplementals and like a holiday product or something. Okay. Get rid of the commander releases with every set. Go back to the way it was when we had one commander release per year. License stuff, whatever, stuff like that. Fine. Take take it take it to the secret layer program but don't do more than four or five of those a year because i don't know about you but i remember when secret layers came out and they announced them i was like oh this is cool they'll probably do it quarterly that was fine yeah it was nice if if they had just stuck to the three month plan i'd be okay with that every three months throw one up for a week fine we're getting like 12 a month this is ridiculous. Mm. Like, vendors are refusing to buy secret layer cards. They're refusing to buy list cards. They're refusing to buy mystery booster cards because it's just not worth it. Oh, yeah. It, it's just too much to keep track of. Too many skews. Look at Ben's timeline. He'll the, tell you all about it. <laughs> uh, there's an informer Twitter poll that you can engage with on his timeline right now. I think it just goes like this if you want to see more in-depth discussion about how we handle all the skews here. Yeah. Like, he's willing to open that up finally. Uh, it's great, and I definitely recommend checking it out. Very, very good. Yep. So, as far as slowing down the release schedule goes, I really like that. I don't think Peak Magic was four sets a year. I think that was fine when the game was still finding its legs, and we didn't have a ton of events all the yeah. time. Yeah. Then as large events picked up, and let's say not a Grand Prix every weekend, let's say a Grand Prix or two a month, two, let's say two Grand Prix a month around the yeah. world, like, and they just rotated on opposite ends of the globe, then you, then upping the release schedule made sense, interjecting additional sets. I think yep. Peak Magic for me kind of hit when we had, it was never on opposite ends of the year either, but when we had like a supplemental yeah. And the commander release. But the supplemental was summer because they were essentially trying to bolster that Q3 into Q4 yeah. uh, sales lull that had been trackable since the beginning of time for this company. And then the commander releases in, in the fall to winter to kind of, again, push numbers yeah. in Q3 in uh, Q4. And that was fine. But if we break it down and we want a specialized product a little more then yeah why not add another supplemental set or two that does not impact overall the health of the game you can pull back on the commander sets like you said because creating new cards for those every feels like month is ridiculous that can't yeah. be an easy job to do and it can't be easy to dedicate those resources to just that one job and instead you could reallocate them to other products that could better benefit the game on the whole yeah. and if you don't spin your wheels trying to figure out what card to reprint for the third time in the year you know maybe things get a little bit better overall i do like that the point you decided to harp on here was the release schedule and some of the other elements in this article 
because Hipsters of the Coast did their own deep dive into the top-level article, and they noticed that Arena isn't really mentioned. They they say at all, but I'm going to go ahead and say that it's probably tucked away in there some somewhere, but the word digital is used to obfuscate. However, yeah. as you mentioned, Hasbro, they're only able to report, this is Bofa, only able to report on the numbers that Hasbro releases, and Hasbro has only released fuzzy numbers around Arena anyway, so there's no yeah. way Bofa could report on that reliably. Moreover, LGS sentiment is a little weird to do because a lot of LGSs feel fine about things because they ha- they don't they right size always their sealed product and yeah. that works for them. So that one's again a little a little difficult to suss out. And so I'm I'm glad you picked on specifically the release schedule because we can point to yes wallet fatigue but also vendor and lgs fatigue which is huge because if yeah. the lgs and the vendor can't churn that stock fast enough then it's just going to sit at, then the next one is just going to sit at distro yep. because the funds aren't available and it, that is actually really damning for the ecosystem comparatively when you look at the article and the breakdown on the whole it is one of the most difficult ones to deal with yeah uh like like to me prime example Modern Masters 2017, that yeah. release schedule that year was perfect. Yeah. It was great. You you had a product for the casual players in the commander decks. You had a project a product for like your money grab in Modern Masters 17, which really wasn't even that expensive, honestly, no. compared to the stuff now. Uh, and you had your four or five sets. And mm-hmm. I think that may have been the year they did the first game night. But whatever. That was perfect because I had time to get invested in these sets mm-hmm. and want to see how they played. Yeah. Now, for me, uh, as a has exec at the top level, one of the first things I would do is to stop dealing primarily in nostalgia and like dedicated children's toys and look for something relevant to the current zeitgeist to work with. And we just saw Transformers cards hit in bro, and who's buying those? People that look like us. Old yep. white dudes with beards. That's <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, people like who people, have podcasts. Yeah, that's it. Yep, John Medina just spiked uh, the nineteen hundred dollar Megatron, and who cares? Just old white dudes. Nobody, yep. nobody else cares about these cards. Just no. old white dudes. Similarly, GI Joe. Aside from two, three failing movies in the last like decade and a half, starring Channing Tatum and maybe The Rock. Who cares? Who cares yep. about GI Joe? That brand is dead. As much as this pains me to say, Ghostbusters also essentially a brand for dudes who look like us. Now, there's some other stuff in here that, like, Indiana Jones, that's getting another movie. So, just like Ghostbusters did, I don't know how much it's going to really generate interest in the brand. I consider that a nostalgia brand. I think it's come and gone. And I think those are best to shave. And that leaves, basically, what uh, Watsy brands, like Nerf, yeah. Power Rangers, My Little Pony, and board games left at the org. And that's kind of sad when you look at it at the top level, at least to me. And I would like to see them branch out and just license some more things. Losing the Disney Princess line, which we covered in the Alta Fox episode, that was a big hit. And something needs to be added back to this org to kind of, you know, plug the hole. They have licenses for Star Wars and Marvel, which is great. That gives them perpetual reach, but they need something more stable. Something that I actually just found tucked away in uh, something I will touch on later in this episode in the Pulse section is a Nerf product, 
where they are actually licensing League of Legends to present Jinx's Fishbones Blaster. It's just a nerf toy that just shoots nerf darts. I'm okay with this because this is what I'm talking about. League of Legends is in the is in the zeitgeist. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you are not was it Kenner that owns micro machines, so trying to yeah. get in on like some weird Rocket League stuff isn't going to work. They experimented with Fortnite in Magic. Cool. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of stuff besides a freaking party bus to that game. I'm sure you could license some of the dedicated things. I mean, hell, you could probably make a figure that flosses. I don't care. Just yeah. do something a little more interesting. That's what I would be looking for at the top level because this company is slowly aging. And I mentioned this last year. They needed to get rid of a lot of the old white dudes at the top that are just blocking progress and blocking innovation. And this is just riding that point as well. And I know it's kind of weak overall as a point and to be repeating myself. But for me, this is one of the biggest things is I would just look to diversify again. It really does not look like this company cares that much. Like, I don't care how many potato heads you make. That 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 brand is like 100,000 years old. Yeah. Like, whatever. I don't care how many parts you can shove up his ass. It was bad when we were kids. Yeah. Like... Hasn't gotten better. Yeah. They just need to find something that's more relevant and push him in the space. They have this great setup. They're no uh, McFarlane toys, but the sports figures they make are pretty decent. Yeah. So there's no reason why you can't just extend your reach a little bit and start looking into making more and more varied lines and more interesting things. To me, that's pretty big because as these brands fall off, like, what happens if the next Indiana Jones movies flop? Like, okay, you oh. lost your brand. Yep, sure did. Yep, Boom. but maybe there's another Ghostbusters in a year or two, so the rumor goes, okay, what happens after that? Don't know. That's a brand gone. What has G.I. Joe done in the last, like, six years besides Die on the Vine? That's it. Yeah. What, like, Transformers only seems to get a lifeline when Watsy or Hasbro needs it to. They just throw that brand a life preserver the last one before this was the card game like yeah. as a as a magic judge transitioning to judge academy i was told the transformers card game was going to move from casual to competitive and we would have access to testing to be a transformers judge and then that all fell apart has just let it or has let watsy let it go however that yeah. one worked but what does this brand do otherwise there's no other michael bay movie coming down the line nobody cares it's it's yet like i said another old white brand yeah and i think for me that's a core issue i agree uh it very much is i look if your brands only exist when you need them to uh are they really like transformers seems to me to be the only one that's been really relevant in the last 20 years yeah uh, My Little Pony had its time to shine, and then the community ruined it, and it's gone forever. Yep. Uh, you you have to do something better. And when you mentioned like the League of Legends toy, that's great. Uh, they did they're doing the new starting line figures with Panini. That's fine too. Mm -hmm. That is something that is relevant to the zeitgeist. Why are you still doing Transformers? Why are you still doing My Little Pony? Why? Why is anything G.I. Joe been released since Duke died? Yeah. Or went into a coma. Sorry, he went into a coma. My apologies. We fixed it because people were upset. We follow canon on died. this show, sir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coma. Yeah. Well, they can let it go, too, because MLP disappeared for like 15, 20 years. They brought it back and it hit. Yeah. They can do it again. They can let Transformers go and reboot it. I think they might have with the Michael Bay stuff, but after that, they just keep pumping it. I don't understand. Yeah. Megan Fox needs a payday. Let's get another Transformers That's out here. That's fair. 
Uh, my second one is actually something I mentioned earlier. How I would have handled all the Alta Fox stuff. So at this point, on the heels of this Bank of America report, I fully expect at the next earnings call there is going to be a serious discussion about, hey, so all those points Alta Fox made, how you haven't reinvested in the company you've been the president, you know, you've been C-level executives of, how you haven't grown the profits of this company by reinvesting in that, and you've used this company's yep. funds to finance your own side projects. You have this Power Rangers license you paid a bunch of money for, and you haven't done anything with it. Uh, at this point, I think it's time to literally just say, look, we're the umbrella. Wizards, you're under it. Do your thing. Let them run it in a way that is sustainable, that is maintainable. Because at this point, I, we have no sign that we're going to get a competitive scene ever. We, we don't have any indication that competitive magic is ever coming back. No. That would be a great thing to bring back that I would leave Wizards of the Coast in charge of. I would leave Wizards of the Coast in charge of their own product line. And instead of hammering out all of these releases and letting them release them on our platform, let them go back to the traditional distribution model. Mm -hmm. The thing that is absolutely mind-boggling to me is that Hasbro understands the distribution model they have to use for toys. You have to send it to a retailer. They send it to your public. That's how 90% of your toy sales occur. Why break that model for this game? Because, as Bank of America said, you are looking at short-term profit at the expense of long-term viability of your product, and that is not okay. It is just not okay. Uh, that is something that needs to be corrected sooner than later, and that is something that, in my opinion, is easily fixable by, hey, let Wizards of the Coast run their own thing. And you know what? If we want to set it up so that we get a percentage of their profits as the parent company, fine. We can invest those profits however we want to, but don't make it full control of the profits. You know what? 80-20. Wizards keep 80% of the profits. We'll take 20. We'll renegotiate in three years. Easy. Yep. Let them run it. Research, development. You need something from us? Great. You're our cash cow. Whatever you need, you got it. It'll come out of our pocket, not yours. Yep. It's, it's easy. It's a simple fix. And it fixes all of the problems that your investors have brought to you, including AltaFox. And you know what? Probably should have a new vote on the board on who gets to be there. Because as we covered in the AltaFox episode, there's really not a lot of people on the Wizard slash Hasbro board that understand trading card games, which are an entirely unique market of collectibles and just in general. Yep because there's so much more utility here on top of the collectability you just like you need to do something with it and you need to put people who are in charge of it that know how that market works they know what players want they just don't look at the dollars and cents they understand that this is about more than that and you have to make something that is desirable to the general consumer of this product which is vastly different than what the rest of our product line at Hasbro is so let's put a Finkel in charge of Wizards of the Coast. Let's let Billy Jensen take charge of the Pro Tour. Whatever you want to do for competitive play, great, man, you got it. Blank check, do it, run it. We'll see if it works. Yep. No, I I agree. I think you can just let 
you should just let Watsy do their own thing. There's no need yeah. to really hammer home anything for that division unless what you're trying to do is honestly squeeze more blood from that stone. And yeah. it seems like any time Hasbro needs anything, they go to Watsy for a loan and just no payment shake terms. That yeah, exactly. <laughs> You just it's move, our money now, baby. Yep, you just move some money around, and that we know that they've. I'm pretty sure Has has said it before that that's what they've done, and Altafox put it in print, and it is very, very clear. And then coming off of that, the the next point I have is kind of of a combined one. So there's this idea of the Hasbro Pulse Shop, and I don't quite know exactly what the Hasbro Pulse Shop is supposed to be. That's where the uh, League of Legends Nerf gun was yep. that I just brought up. There is this pretty cool piece from Magic the Gathering that I just stumbled upon. Uh, I was never informed, despite the fact that I am signed up for Hasbro Pulse. Chandra's Gauntlet, cool. Um, there's some weird, goofy stuff. Like, you can put your face on a Power Ranger, or a Ghostbuster, or a G.I. Joe. Like, what are you trying to do here? I don't understand it with some of this naive stuff. Then you dive in a little deeper, and you see, okay, well, here's the Power Ranger Lightning Collection, and these are wearable and, like, usable props. And you bet, you bet your bippy that I'm waiting for the Green Ranger stuff to go up. Absolutely. And then you look at the Ghostbuster stuff, and there's uh, a Neutrona wand and a full pack. And again, I own, well, will own both of them when the pack gets here. So I am buying some of this stuff. But aside from those last two pages that really demonstrate that this is supposed to be a high-end product... I don't know what the rest of this is supposed to be. When you take a look at the other brands that they have, and I'll bring up Indiana Jones because it's pretty easy to see here. Where is it? Um, these figures don't look very high-end. They look pretty dumpy, like Indiana Jones is square in the middle of your screen. Yeah, it says Retro Collection, straight out of the 1970s. Um, Major Arnold Tote, and the next one to the right, also really goofy looking for something that's supposed to be current. I don't know what the purpose of this is. So... Retro makes sense, current, not so much. And if you are trying to make high-end toys, you know who your direct competitor is and has been for years. And here are two Warhammer 40K toys from Todd McFarlane. So this is one of them. This is a Dark Tide figure. And like, look at the detail on this thing. It is ridiculous, down to the bandolier. And here is just a generic orc, like, in a mech suit. Everything about this figure is posable. I think it's about six inches tall. The paint on it is amazing. The sculpt on it is amazing. And Todd McFarlane's mantra for his figures has always been, everybody else makes shit. We're just going to make it sexier. That's it. So I don't know what Hasbro Pulse is supposed to be because it's not sexy at all. It's actually like Vaseline over the lens, fuzzy and goofy. So maybe you got to figure out what you want to do with that. However, the point I do want to drive home here is they need to shed all internal media divisions and only focus on making toys and games partner with companies that do media better and let them take care of it because what they're doing now is not turning a profit and we know this from the Alta Fox write-up like yeah. Pulse wasn't covered in there I assume that makes money because it's all just print to order including their little um, Kickstarter service which is where the the, Go the Ghostbusters pack was and now there's currently a Deathsaurus Death there from Transformers like 
neither the media division nor Pulse makes sense because it seems like they just have no idea what they want to do with them, and they meet, the media division was actively just a black hole for money. It made the G.I. Joe movies. I don't think it made the My Little Pony movie. And as we touched on a week or two ago, the My Little Pony movie is actually what floated Q3 in 2021. Without that, the year-over-year year for 2022 looked rancid, and that was cited by Hasbro that without that movie this year... It was going to be rancid. And year over year, 2021, without the MLP movie, would have been terrible also compared to the year prior. So they need to figure something out. And if that was the only movie that ever floated this, well, you can't point to the media division as being the crown jewel of the savior for your whatever, but you can point to it being a tank and making one good thing, and the rest are just absolute trash. You're also, you're a toy company. What business do you have choosing a producer, a director, and guiding uh, direction for your cast. Like, if you saw the second G.I. Joe movie, they wheeled Bruce Willis out there. Unnecessary. I think The Rock might have been in that movie. I don't remember, but they got rid of an actually decent cast and just made The Expendables 3. Wholly unnecessary. I think there might have been something else in the works. They might have done some other small projects, but you would never know it because that media division does nothing. And a lot of the money that they spent on that in the Alta Fox report i believe came from hasbro not hasbro sorry watsi was fun it was that division was essentially fueled by watsi so if it's not making any money and you have to pull money from one of your most profitable divisions just outsource it it's fine you understand how ip licensing works you do it all the time we just talked about star wars and marvel let somebody else deal with your my little pony what's going on with the netflix show for magic we don't know. But if that's the Watsi Entertainment Division, it's probably going to be a black hole. If they sourced it out, maybe this is the trend moving in the right direction. We won't know. Because much like the Flipcoin secret layer, all this information was buried for no reason. It's dumb. Uh, I, I this, this actually dovetails into my third point as well. And I, I think the important thing here is, and this is something that was highlighted with the last report, right? Yep first time they mentioned oh we have to pay these licensing fees yes okay well if part of the reason that you're flat on profit is licensing fees and you've been reporting record profits maybe something's wrong with the licensing fees maybe don't go after the properties you're going after like warhammer's fine but doctor who Uh, that's not cheap no lord of the rings also not cheap there, there have to be better things you can be doing with that money. There has to be another way for you to retool your profile. And if it comes down to just trimming up, do it. It, It's, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just, come on, guys. It, it's, you've been doing this for decades. You should know better. Yeah. It's dumb. Yep. Uh, dovetailing into my point, uh, with these things that you are doing with other companies, specifically with Magic Online. You mm-hmm. need to retool that program somehow. Uh, you need to retool Arena. You need to make a way for it to cross over into paper play. And this is, it's real easy. It's real simple. In fact, it's something another company has been doing for a very long time. Uh, if you just put QR codes in your packs, mm-hmm where I scan this QR code and I get the contents of this pack in my online collection, you know what I can do? Buy packs again 
and play online. Yep. And if if you want to have a market where you sell stuff on there, great. I will pay you $5 Wizards of the Coast so I can get the exact card I want. Fine. Please, please do it. Uh, because this does a few things, and this is why I would want to reinvigorate this. And I'm glad for the changes that they said are coming to Moto, uh, because they've been a long time coming. Uh, I firmly believe that if you give us a path as players where we can play online to qualify for large competitive events, mm -hmm. and we can do it in paper with minimum investment in one of those that covers both, i.e. buying packs of stuff, drafting, so we can keep the codes. Whatever. That is so much better for the health and, like, economic, like, culture and environment. Why would you not do that? Uh, there's actually a secondary market value for those codes for Pokemon. Mm -hmm. That's great. That gives me as a player another reason to open packs because if I don't play online, I can still sell this code for 50 cents. Yep. Cool. That's a portion of the pack that I get back for nothing. Yes. Yeah. Let me do that. It means more people have access to online play. It means more people have access to paper play because if we have the set redemption program on Moto, which did just change that change I didn't like as much. Uh, it lets me also, in, it incentivizes my online play because now I can get all that stuff by drafting online and get the physical set. It lets you play both options equally, online and in person, and rewards you for doing both and gives you a clear path through both of those play styles to whatever you want to do with the game. If you want to be casual, cool you can be a casual player if you want to be a spike and go to big tournaments great you can do that too yeah. it everybody wins everybody yeah like i i don't understand it's it's just mind-boggling but i digress yeah there, there are some weird caveats to this that are they're not nuanced but this is like up oh, somebody's gonna get us in the comments yeah not every card for supplemental sets is available on moto minsk and boo took a very long time to get there um that's another thing that needs to change it's like look if you have the card just put it on there not aria right? there's, there's flame no um crap there is something else there's the a red enchantment that i was seeing play in legacy that also braid no, no braid of fire no, no okay. not something mob maybe that wasn't there and so it puts more onus on the digital team to get things done, and we know that team was skeleton for a while, and we still know there are problems with Moto, so they're not prioritizing. But that, yeah, that notwithstanding, yeah, standard needs to work on Moto, so why not? Well, Arena, that's where you would put that stuff, right? Yeah. And then figure out what you want to do with the Commander products, because I think that would be neat. If you want people to engage more with your format, you lost a ton of opportunity to get people to play on Moto to Spell Table. And if you have, if you do the same thing with construct with the commander decks, and just dump the entire deck into somebody's inventory, yeah. or Ooh, their my binder, scan the QR, I've got it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, there it is uh, directly in your binder, and there's a list generated or whatever that you can just pull up. Now you've got them in your ecosystem, and they're yeah. playing on your platform, and that's what you want. After that, it's about how much exposure 
they have to your product that will make them buy into it more. But yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't be giving you some kind of opportunity to take your physical cards and put them into the, the, the digital realm. It's not like everybody's going to stop buying within Arena or within Moto and you're going to lose a huge chunk of profit. What you're going to see is instead that profit probably split and it's going to be hard to figure out. You're not going to be able to say that every pack opened and scanned in paper is correlatory. It was the same person because there is a market for those. So now you don't know how many players you're engaging in both. And it does make the data very fuzzy, but it's not like these companies have shown that they're ever working with clear data anyway. No. So who cares? Why not just, to your point, make it more available? Make both platforms more available. We've been saying for years that they needed to change something with Moto to get people more engaged, similarly with Arena. I believe that a subscription model also works. Yeah. I You, you know what I do? Anytime they offer, like, anytime there's the $20 pass, like for Eternal Week, I yeah. abs- every single time I buy yeah, it. I, every single time. The only reason I still don't have Moto installed is because that isn't a permanent fixture. If it was a permanent yeah. fixture, I'd absolutely would jam yeah. more than the zero I do right now. And it seems like there's this fear that if they do that, they're going to lose out on some amount of profit. But that's that's not the case. To bring people to standard on Arena, I think the proper way to do it is through pack redemption like that because it is going to be more profitable at the end of the day. Somebody's buying that pack. That yeah. costs them cents to make and gives them dollars profit and is just better overall than a subscription model to Arena, the standard platform. So, yeah, I agree with that. Until they find a way to bridge the paper digital play. Yeah. Once they bridge that, then yeah, we can look at whatever we need to for that solution. And I think there's just there's a buffet of options in front of them and they just like Abe Simpson memed it. They just walked in the door, yeah. hung their hat, <laughs> saw Bart at the Mater D thing, turned around, grabbed their hat and walked out the front door. Yeah. Like that's it. That's just what they decided to do instead of looking at anything. Kind of like or a petulant child if you want, like, no, no, no. Yeah. But we'll see. My third point is also about digital, but I think, it, like yours, I think there's a lot of positive to this because it's, it would be a minimal, hmm, I don't want to say minimal, mine is kind of a big change, but it would be better for everybody overall, including Watsi. And that's just understanding that there's a difference between paper and digital development, and Watsi should definitely be split into two divisions. There should be Watsi paper and Watsi digital. Those assets should be different because they do completely different things. They should be managed differently, and they should be siloed. It's the wrong word here. There should definitely be uh, cross-entity uh, development work that's done but for the most part they can be siloed in what they do because Watsi Digital is just responsible for making the cards that Watsi Paper is developing work Yeah. within the game and then whatever goofy formats they need to wait they need to make work work and that also means somebody like Maro can just be put up in his little tower and never <laughs> impact a fucking, yeah, a, yeah. a fucking format ever again with like let's try this weird mutation on Pioneer for the sixth time like no Please stop. No, Grandpa, stop. It's dead. Yeah. You can let Watsi Digital figure that one out because they have the data, and then they can both come back to Hasbro and report back equally. You don't have to worry about it. If you do want to maintain parity between the two form- the two platforms, essentially, paper and digital, which you do, they do these do have to talk to each other. So, yeah, you have to meet it all the time. How's Pioneer going in paper? How are those events looking? How Pioneer, how's Pioneer going in digital? What do we have to do about X, Y, or Z? 
that's how you're going to pull your band data too. So there is going to be this cross-organizational, you know, workload that will exist, but the opportunity to segregate that work into two different divisions also allows them to work a little more clearly and more impactfully. Watsi Digital gets its own budget to work with. They can bring in a game studio if they want to and not impact Watsi Paper. And now everything has its own unique paper trail. One's not impacting the other. Has can pull whatever funds they want from either one. You know, they could far they could even farm out Watsi Digital, but just pull everything digital and give it to somebody else. If that's gonna be your foundation, that's fine. The more yeah. more opportunity the better. But there needs to be, for me, a clear delineation between what Watsi is and does now versus what they are and will be doing in the future because asking them to do both i believe is a recipe for disaster that we're currently heading towards and we can see it's kind of like the trolley problem like we're we're going to come to that crossroads soon enough and the lever is very it's very easy create another division and push digital over there or run over a chunk of the org because the people at the top are too old and white to understand what's going on yeah uh, I I think the modernization of magic is one of the most critical things to its future. Yes. Uh, bringing it into the 21st century in terms of how the game is presented. Not just physically. Obviously, the art style has changed. Everything has met the more modern, lowest common denominator shtick that we all know and love. But really having a good digital platform for it. I mean, look, the whole reason Arena even exists is because Hearthstone. Yeah. Hearthstone took the gaming, like, paper or TCG gaming field by storm when it came out. There's no reason that Wizards shouldn't be able to compete with that. There is no reason that arena should crash every 30 seconds on my brand new cell phone that i have loops that crash the app and that destroy tournaments because everyone times out it, it just needs to be modernized that's so crucial mm -hmm. to the future of magic to me because don't get me wrong obviously we all love the gathering yep. that's what it's really about to most of us but you know you know what i loved having ascension on my phone because oh, when yeah. I could, I, I would just get lost. Like, I'd take a break at work, and I'd just be like 45 minutes later, ah, oh, shit, man, I'm on my third game, and I'm 15 minutes over. I want that kind of accessibility for Magic that's not frustrating. Mm -hmm. I can't play Arena on my phone and not be frustrated. So it, please do something about it. Yep. Please. Yeah. And it's not like these, uh, these two divisions are separated by yeah. an impenetrable wall. They have to work together. They ha You have to know what's going on with the product and what the vision is for the product overall because you can't develop digital without a clear product vision. Yep. And when you have a division of, and when you have an entire organization of people that are just used to developing for paper, there's no real vision about what's going on in the future. And it was kind of clear from what we were seeing, and I said this a couple of times both on Twitter and here, that from an engineering standpoint, it was very easy to read through their administration and their, and their design philosophies based on what we were seeing. And if that was true, what we were seeing and what I was saying, then there, did re there really did exist the opportunity to do a ton of damage to this brand because the people that were in charge just didn't have a good understanding or a good future vision of the product for digital. 
and separating it out allows you to hire the correct people for the job because they don't have them. It's just not there. Make a digital product basically came down from Haas. And once he said, well, we don't have the people. And Haas said, well, find them. Well, we work in paper. Fix it. And that's kind of how it, it the, the ball got rolling. Yep. But that's my third point, my, my third take home for this year. And now we're moving on to picks because I said so. And I'm also going yeah. first because you talked about my pick last week sneakily. You didn't yes. even know it. And I forgot why you talked about it. But my pick for this week is Eldritch Evolution. A nice uh, rare. It was because of Diabolic Intent. There it is. A nice. Yep. That's right. We were comparing Diabolic Intent to Eldritch Evolution. A nice rare from Eldritch Moon. One double green sorcery as an additional cost to sacrifice Eldritch Evolution. Sacrifice a creature. Search a library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, where X is 2 plus a sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library, exile Aldrich Evolution. So if you sacrifice a 3, you get a 5 or less creature. Basically, this is another in the fixed birthing pod pile of cards. So that's yeah. basically how we're looking at this card. And when I wrote my notes, CK was buying 73 at 640 as of today. They're buying 67 at $7, which I like to see. Buying less for more, always great. Uh, 208 TCG player listings for Near Mint LP at 739 Now, I had, I've only had this on my list for a month, and CK was buying 78 at $4.80, so that's a 1.5x on the buy list. And the TCG market is basically spot on. 209 listings were down to 208 as I was writing this. At seven dollars thirty nine, thirty eight. Sorry, it's currently seven dollars thirty nine. When I wrote my notes, um, yeah. CK. Where did stocks go? It's currently over eight dollars, so it's gone up about ten percent since I decided to write these notes. Now, uh, from a commander playability standpoint, if you're going to be playing Birthing Pod, you're going to be playing Eldritch Evolution. It just goes in the pile. You need a redundant effect, and this does it. And you can rebuy and you can't really rebuy this because it exiles, but there are ways to get it back and pull from Eternity and Rift Sweepers and stuff like that. So you can like do some really goofy stuff to get it back and like ch and actually chain up or just chain into a creature that gets pot. There's, there's that too. So this really is playable in any deck that wants to chain like that. You're looking for that value chain. It doesn't go in every green deck just like Pod. Not in every green deck, but it's a deck where you want to just move through your creatures and further your game plan. So when we look at the format on the whole, like I said, I'll reinforce it, you're climbing the chain. Now this plays across every kind of deck you can think of that runs green, but not every deck that runs green. It's just thematically this runs everywhere. It, it could be you you want you want to play elves, but you want to get up to something like not Creator Hoof because that's an eight. It's really hard to get there, but you want to get up through a bunch of your lords for mana. Cool, you can birthing yeah. pot it. You want to play like some weird Bruce Tarl deck like we see here. Bruce Tarl's all over this. Cool, climb the chain, get whatever you need from a value yep. engine. It's just fantastic. You can value chain, so that's something like think Jund. You're just going to jund them out. You're going to climb from yep. Oracle of Maldaya to, like, um, a fall. What's a good five drop in jund? Doesn't matter. And then from there to, like, Grave Titan to, like, Shieldred. You know, that's awesome. not a bad value train. Uh, you can combo out. Find your pieces. You uh, The um, 
we've talked Keenan Bonder Prodigy is uh, the Simic rare, I believe. That allows yeah. you to combo out with this. There's stuff in is it? It's all over the place when you look at Rec. But in all in every instance, you're tutoring for the creatures to put them directly into play. And while these are both sorcery speed options, Eldritch Evolution and Birthing Pod, they are some of the cheapest ways to do this in green from a, mo- a mono value standpoint. Yeah. And they are locked into sorcery speed. Green Sun Zenith, also locked into sorcery speed. A little less repeatable than Pod, but from a mono value standpoint, it is more expensive to continue to do this than Eldritch Evolution, which goes two up. You just get the gratis two on that. Uh, Court of Calling, also fantastic. Instant speed, huge monohog. So Eldritch Evolution can just get this done faster, earlier, and a little bit better than some of the other options that aren't Birthing Pod. So I really like it in Commander because of that. It also plays in Modern, like we discussed, and I think I'll touch on this a little bit later. There's a, a Yawgmoth deck that makes really good use of this, and Undying and Persist Creatures. And you don't really see that part of the value engine when you look at the, the combo side or the creatures that are tied to Eldritch Evolution in EDH Rec. It is kind of all over the place because so are the commanders. But the the combos are, if I could find them, are pretty tight overall because it's just a birthing pot chain. It's just a value card. Yeah. Timeline-wise, I believe we're looking at about a six-month turnaround to buy a list for cash arbitrage as we're seeing approximately 400 copies sold per month across LP and Nearmint, but I think that's ticking up. Now, there is immediate opportunity for arbitrage. This is as I was writing this, and that was for credit, so we should still be able to hit that. Yeah, we can make about a dollar to two dollars in credit right now. That's going to be in the short term, and we're going to see slow increases of buy lists like we just did in time so you will be able to get out to cash like i said in about uh what was it six months or so yeah but again if you want immediate arbitrage to credit cool that's right there right in front of you just take it if the yogmoth deck does hit in modern and we move into modern season next i would expect sales velocity to ratchet up pushing the price way 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 high yeah like Probably I double up is hard. I'd like to see this at fifteen, but an easy twelve seems fine. Yeah. And I think that would be in the next nine months to a year window to see profit to buy a list, because we have the rest of Pioneer season to play out and then standard season after that. So we know we're at least uh it's well, I wrote my notes obviously a couple of weeks ago. Dream hack just happened, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was this past week. No, uh, it's this coming weekend. Okay, it's this coming weekend. Yeah. And then we have in like two or three months the standard portion of things, which means modern would be six months out. And it's going to be somewhere in that gap if Yawgmoth takes up, uh, takes off, sorry, that we'd see Bialis pushed because of that deck. But that's yeah. also right around my timeline for if it doesn't pick up because that's just the way that everything's trending. I think that's going to be a really interesting apex for what's going on with yeah. this card, like in terms of price. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I love this pick because it's, as with many uh, picks I've liked recently, it straddles the casual and competitive gamut. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it hits all the EDH levels. It obviously sees play in 60 card formats and it sees play in CEDH. It's yep. just an incredibly liquid card that I wouldn't mind having a couple play sets of in a binder anyways. Yeah, I think we're also pretty insulated from uh, reprint because this is related to Eldritch Horrors and the yeah. reprint equity on that seems pretty low to non-existent unless we return to Innistrad again and they decide to go back to Eldritch Horrors instead of traditional Gothic Horror. Yeah. And we've been to Innistrad three times now, and they went like Gothic Horror, Eldritch Horror, Classic Horror, slash Gothic Horror. So I don't know what the next one would be. It's hard for me to kind of like pull that one out of a hat because I really yeah. did just expect werewolves and vampires. I thought we would be a little more Baroque and get a little more of like the zombie Frankenstein-y stuff that we didn't get last time but was kind of poking around. Um, sure didn't. Yeah. Just Twilight the set. Yeah, right. Um, and I don't think this is coming from... Um, this is going to be in a Commander product anytime yeah. soon. It just seems a little too awkward for that. And then a buy quantity, I just... This one's difficult because it depends on what you believe in. If you don't believe in the Yawgmoth deck, I think two playsets to move in the short term while there's cross-interest is perfectly fine because I believe that's what's driving the card. If you believe in the Yawgmoth deck, then I think as much money as you want to slam at this card is yep. worthwhile. That deck is picking up in popularity with Yorion gone and Stock and Omnoth seeming to fall. That deck rises in stock along Rakdos Scam. They're basically they're not doing the same thing, but they're just trying to play this value engine game. And I don't know which one's better, but people really like the lines afforded to them in the Yogmoth deck. And for me, that would basically say if I again I believed in that or I had a lot of locals that could discuss with me what that deck does in the appeal then, yeah, I'd probably slam a couple hundred at this. Yeah. Uh, I I think quantity-wise, yeah. yeah. I think that's totally worth it. And then, like, personally, since I play it heavily, I don't know how many I have, but I have no need to buy any more right now. I know that's the truth. It's just, like, <laughs> birthing pods. Like, I've got my sets, yeah. i got my foils, I've got judge promos, I don't need any more birthing pods. Yeah. You, on the other hand... Boy, I'm going with Dopey Dog. Yeah, yeah, you are. Also known as Rescue Retriever. Uh, before I get into the reasons why I like this card, this art's amazing. This guy is having the time of his life, living his best life on the battlefield. Look at that guy. He's smiling ear to ear. Happiest dude on the field. At any rate, why this card? Well, it provides combat tricks to a very popular casual tribe. Uh, five mana for a 3-3 three, three with flash. That's eh, kind of overcosted. Yep. But when it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each other soldier you control because okay. this is itself a soldier. Okay. I want to make a point of order here. And it's not because of a tweet I saw today. Goblin, merfolk, zombie, human, tribes. Yeah. Wizard, soldier job yep so to a popular job <laughs> yes fair popular job you are correct uh since we have the race class system now mm. similar to D, D. yes uh so it beefs up all your soldiers when you flash it in a 
Additionally, and this is one of the important ones, prevent all damage that would be dealt to other attacking soldiers you control. This is a casual card. It is yeah. absolutely a casual card. But you know what else it is? It's a dog. Magic players love dogs. They love cats. We have cat lords and dog lords. Now we have a dog that's a soldier lord that gets buffed by other soldier lords and dog lords. That's not the Everybody love. wins. Yes. Uh, as for price point, timeline, quantity, look, this card's like a quarter right now. Yeah. I will happily throw $10 at this, knowing that this is coming from what will be the most open set in the history of Magic. But you know what else? No. It's a dog. So in about, timeline-wise, 12 to 16 months, similar to the stuff that I mentioned last episode, uh, I would fully expect us to see a recovery here. Uh, the interesting analog I would go to is basically if you look at the price history of cards like Field Marshal or Catapult Master, okay. those cards saw a surge. Catapult Master did get reprinted, which tanked the value. Field Master still has a decent price point, not as good as it was before, but this is something that I wouldn't expect to see anytime soon in a reprint unless we somehow get a Secret Lair dog, which I guess could happen because we do have a Secret Lair cat coming. Mm -hmm. But even then, I wouldn't think it would impact the value too much uh, because this card at this point especially is already so affordable that look i spent way more than ten dollars on sarkin's unsealing and i will admit that was a bad investment but i'm still doubling down every chance i get yeah this one though i think is really solid because again it's a casual tribe it provides combat tricks to a tribe that doesn't have a whole lot in a color that does to a job that doesn't have a whole lot in a color that does not have a whole lot of combat tricks. Yeah. I I just think it's a really solid low slumlord play, and you know I love slumlord plays. And that's exactly what I see this. Yeah. Again, quantity, like 40 deep. It's 10 bucks. Who cares? Yeah. I, it, this card is kind of interesting to look at from a rate perspective. If you think about a Flash 3-3 that is also a lord, yeah, that's probably going to cost you the two and a white. Uh, maybe the three in the white so what you're getting on top of that is a one-sided fog which is really unique because holy day the white fog does that cost one yeah right oh, let me type holy day in all caps yep just cost one which yep. is what fog costs but usually one-sided fogs cost more so yeah. some part of this card is above rate and people are going to honestly forget that it's a one-sided fog your creatures continue to do damage which is actually very powerful in commander that wins combats just as much as like surprise first strike yeah as well right and i think that part of it also lends itself to being extremely good there's going to come a point where the soldier deck is going to operate a little bit like the merfolk deck in commander which is just like how many lords can i jam in here and then how opportune is it for me to clone them and the soldier the soldier land that we just got is azor colors which does lend you to play some clones and some blue soldiers so yeah this yep. could just turn into like all lords dot deck and then some draw spells and at that point in time you're like yeah it's gonna be one big dog one huge pooch yeah. that's that's the hope yeah uh and it's it's also again it's if you go into blue white you also get ephemerate momentary blink stuff like that yeah. so this is easily abusable in the color yeah and being an ETB trigger, you can also pan harmonic on it. There are so many different things that you can do with this that just make it like a solid quarter bulk rare that you'll just wake up one day and presumably, hey, you know what? Maybe it's only a 50 cent buy list. You know what, though? That's still a double up. Yeah. We'll take it. 
Yeah, a absolutely. This is. I I dismissed this card because of how much it cost for the power toughness, and I didn't even read the text box. I won't lie. Yeah. When we were doing our set review, I just skipped yeah. right over Dopey Dog here because I was like mana value to PT, not where I want to be. But reading the reading the rest of this card, yeah, I, I think this is this is a, a decent hit, especially like you said, as people move more and more into soldiers and figure out what they want to be doing with that deck on the whole. Because, yeah. like you said, they're coming around to it, and, and I think they're a little lost, but they'll get there. So why not pick up on the important parts parts of it now? And yeah. I think this is going to be. This is going to be one of them. Well, um, do you remember Onslaught, the white quote-unquote tribe from Onslaught was soldiers, yep. and they all had a rare where you tap X number and deal and do a thing. Do you remember what yep. the white one was named? I'm very curious. Catapult Master. Oh, that is Catapult Master? Okay. That is Catapult Master, and it's exile a creature in tap five. Tap five, okay. Yeah. It also costs 5 for a 3-3. Three, three. Huh, that's kind of a weird coincidence. Tap 5 on tap soldiers, you control, remove target creature from the game. Yeah, no conditions on that. Nope, uh, just it, gone. It was reprinted in Elspeth vs. Tez. Same art. Yeah. Eh, I wouldn't consider that a true reprint. No. Yeah. The foils are a fortune, though. They're like 20 bucks for that. Oh, yeah, it's an onslaught foil. What do you want? Yeah. But, yeah, I, that's one of those things. It's like you make a lot of soldier tokens as well that is another mm -hmm. thing you can do casually within the tribe instead of just trying to play all the creatures all the time yeah yeah uh darian king of keldor makes soldiers uh ranger captain of eos lets you sack soldiers for a fog um i mean doesn't our favorite decree of yeah. justice make soldiers? decree of justice make soldiers what is the uh finale of White glory? Sun Zenith makes cat soldiers. It's finale of glory, the white one. It makes soldiers. Yeah, we're make we're making a lot of soldier tokens in this deck, yeah. and the soldier deck uh, on rec right now. There are a few of them. You've got Boros. Uh, it seems to be. I guess if you combine all all of it together, Boros is the most popular color combination right now because you've got some yeah. pretty decent leaders in Aurelia War Leader, so you get double combats and Tajik uh, which just kind of battalion stuff to death yeah but then you have the M. Bison card from um, 40k yeah. Commissar Sever Severina Rain so we just keep getting support for this tribe all over the place the hits just keep on coming so there's gotta be something but yeah I, the more I, the more I look at this I'm not like talking myself into this I'm just making myself more aware of the fact that yeah people do play play this deck and yep. there are a number of Sunforger is a theme for for soldiers. Voltron, Token, Soldier Token is the most popular one by far. Yeah. So yeah, if you're gonna go wide, then you also want to be on the Lord plan, so you can go a little tall. Yeah, this just plays right into a lot of what's going on on Wreck, and it's going to be low level casual for a while until it sure. isn't. And yeah, so absolutely, this definitely hits a lot of those marks that we talk about. Uh, I like it overall. All right, Dopey Dog, you're in. Yep, you got it. <laughs> Anything else before we sign up? Uh, so one more thing about the card, actually. Okay. Uh, this is not a one-time fog. No, it it's is not. It's just, it is always do it. 
That is, yep, I thought it was attached to the, to the trigger. It is not. You are absolutely correct. This is permanent one-time fog. Man, Toby Dog is so good. The more I right? read this card, reading the card explains the card, and I never read the card. So this is why... <laughs> He's so happy to do what he's doing. Yeah. How can you not root for this guy? Everybody came along with me on my journey of discovery as to why Rescue Retriever <laughs> is a better card than I thought it was. Yeah. I'm glad everybody was here for it. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Anything else? No. Okay. I'm good. <laughs> so, for MTG Ballcast on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube, I am at Halt. I am Reptire. You are? At Thirsty Sizzler. And we'll see you next week.